quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. President Trump takes aim at Mexico. Republicans take aim at Trump. And the great Joe Biden flip-flop. This is the state of America. As President Trump enjoys all the trappings of a state visit in London, he's getting angry protests from Republicans back here in Washington. Something pretty dramatic could happen. We've told Mexico the tariffs go on, and I mean it. I'm afraid that it might endanger some American jobs. This is the wrong solution to the crisis. Vice President Joe Biden, the front runner among Democrats for the 2020 nomination, just made big news on abortion. I make no apologies to my last position, and I make no apologies to what I'm about to say. This was a major reversal. For Joe Biden, this measure bans the use of federal dollars on most abortions. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America. The American president has spent the last week celebrating the history of the close relationship between the U.S. and allies in Europe. On behalf of all Americans, I offer a toast to the eternal friendship of our people, the vitality of our nations, and to the long-cherished and truly remarkable reign of Her Majesty the Queen. The benefits of those alliances couldn't be more clear than when you're talking about the Allied defeat of Nazi Germany in World War II, of course. To all of our friends and partners, our cherished alliance was forged in the heat of battle, tested in the trials of war, and proven in the blessings of peace. Our bond is unbreakable. Juxtapose that with the very clear strain on American alliances that is also on full display right now. Mexico is making hundreds of billions of dollars for many, many years, and they have to do something about the border. Everyone's coming through Mexico, including drugs, including human trafficking. We're going to stop it, but we're not going to do business, and that's going to be it. No small point here. Mexico is America's number one trading partner, and now President Trump is threatening to slap a series of escalating tariffs on all goods coming from the country unless and until Mexico does something about the Trump administration's problem with illegal immigration. What that something is, though, is not clear, however. The Trump administration has not laid out what the measure of compliance actually is, what Mexico is expected to show to avoid the tariffs, It honestly doesn't sound like the president knows either. In recent days, Mexico has stepped up apprehensions and deportations of Central American migrants. Uh, That's good. This could possibly be in in, uh, response to your threat of tariffs. Has Mexico... Not possibly be. has, Has Mexico done enough to avoid tariffs, which will be imposed in some six days from now? No, we haven't started yet. And and 
But the threat is out there. Uh, yeah, the threat is out there, but we haven't really started yet. No, this will take effect next week. And, and what five percent? So to be clear, there's a deadline, there's a punishment, but there is still no answer on what would satisfy Trump to avoid this drastic move. And it is drastic because he's using an emergency declaration to go around Congress and impose these tariffs all because of the border. Democrats are up in arms, no surprise. But there are signs that Republicans also think this is a bridge too far. There is uh, not much support in my conference for tariffs, that's for sure. We would all be better off if we don't put a, a round of tariffs on Mexico. We think tariffs in this instance are hurting the chances they get in USMCA. And for me, uh, that's a very important goal. USMCA is the new trade deal between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Not only are Republicans concerned about the hit that the U.S. economy would take if these tariffs set in, but they are also worried about how all of this will impact approval of this deal, which is essentially the new NAFTA. You don't need to be a trade expert, of course, to guess how much this new fight helps that. Not at all. Why would we jeopardize passage of the USMCA? Why would we hurt our economy while trying to punish Mexico. That coming from another Republican right there. So what are they going to do about it? There are whispers now of a rebellion and revolt in the works from the president's own party. After getting wind of that, White House officials went to Congress this week to try to allay those Republican concerns. Here's how well that went over. That GOP lunch did not go well yesterday. Members and aides that I spoke with after the lunch basically said that the White House officials and justice officials in the room could not explain exactly how the president's tariffs would even be enacted, whether or not he would issue a new emergency declaration, whether he could amend the old one. A lot of legal questions up in the air. And one aide asked to describe how the meeting went, basically said it was a cluster and then used an expletive to describe it. Yeah, that's where we are at this point. Congress could put, put, could put a stop to the president's tariffs. Both the House and Senate can pass bills c- canceling the national emergency that he would need to declare. Of course, if they do that, Trump could and would veto it. Then Congress would need to muster two-thirds of both chambers to override the veto. In short, that is a very tall order at this moment. Not helping the matter at all, the president's top trade advisor still won't acknowledge that American businesses and consumers are the ones who foot the bill when the president imposes tariffs. Let's talk about this discussion of who bears the burden of these tariffs. We had the same discussion with the China tariffs. Everybody's trying to claim that somehow American consumers bear that burden. That's exactly wrong. No, he is exactly wrong. Tariffs are paid by the companies importing the goods, and then they pass the cost to consumers. That's how it has worked and really always will work. And oh, yeah, of course, President Trump is still in the middle of a trade war with another country, China, a trade war that shows no sign of letting up, a trade war that has already proven to be hurting American businesses and consumers. It's getting really tough. I mean, something needs to get something needs to get resolved. Something needs to get done. Egg products are one of our biggest, you know, exports that we have in this country that, that, that get out of here. So so it is a shame that they put them retaliatory tariffs on us. So one takeaway seems to be why settle for one trade war when you can start two? I'm only part kidding, but I'm also struck by this one line from that very same trade advisor to the president. We believe that these tariffs may not have to go into effect precisely because we have the Mexicans' attention. So 
Is the president actually planning to impose tariffs at all? Or is he looking to threaten to start a fire just so he can be seen as the one to put out that theoretical fire? It is almost impossible to judge since, I will repeat this one more time, the president has yet to lay out what would make him happy here. Do something, as he had put it, is still not a policy position, no matter how often you say it. So stand by to stand by. And I guess we can all go do something ourselves while we're at it. Like, we will ask the panel. Is this the issue that Republicans are really going to revolt over? Why is a tariff on Mexico a step too far? That's next. If one of your campaign promises was to renegotiate a landmark trade deal with America's neighbors, why then would you start a fight with one of those neighbors over trade before the deal is actually in place? That seems to be what President Trump is doing right now. Can someone please explain to me the strategy that I am clearly missing at this moment? The panel with me tonight, Keith Boykin, CNN political commentator and former Clinton White House staffer, Joe Borelli, Republican member of the New York City Council, Evan Siegfried is a Republican strategist and author of GOP GPS, and Alex Burns is a CNN political analyst and national political correspondent for the New York Times. Hello, one and all. Finally, we're back together in a studio. Um, Joe, where are you on this one? Are you in the... Well, I'm not crossing the Mexican border, that's for sure. Are you in the short-term, short-term pain, long-term gain category, or are you with... Basically, every other Republican that I've talked to, which says this is not the way to fight for immigration. Do not hurt you, the you U.S. Know, economy. Honestly, the, if, if we were having this conversation at the beginning of the week, my answer might have been different. But already we saw today the, the Mexican government agreed to deploy 6,000 National Guard troops mm-hmm. to their southern border. They agreed to help on asylum. So, you know, maybe I would have been wrong a couple of days ago, but it does you seem, like, the, it does seem the like the brinkmanship uh, has, has worked this time or, or potentially is working this time. Uh, Evan, do you see this? Being the issue of a Republican revolt, is this the bridge too far for Republicans in Congress? Right now, I'm not hearing the there's some I'm not hearing what Joe is saying for Republicans on Capitol Hill. I'm hearing this is going to hurt the economy. This needs to not happen. Well, first of all, there are other ways to go about and get the goals that Donald Trump wants. Donald Trump has prided himself on personal relationships with world leaders. Mm-hmm. Look at how he's had love letters with Kim Jong-un, how he and Putin have these wonderful moments together, but also with Shinzo Abe, who is much more like AMLO, the Mexican leader, than and, uh, other leaders. Mm-hmm. And I think he could go off and play golf with AMLO in Mexico or at a Trump property here in the United States, and it would be fine. But the short-term pain, long-term gain, that's incorrect. It's fallacy. First of all, we saw that there were very weak job numbers that just came out. Why create more uncertainty with these tariffs if they were to go in? Two, and you're talking, if Mexico will retaliate, and it's going to hit many different industries, from meat to uh, other agricultural cars, but remember, Mexico is not going to, or all these companies aren't going to move their factories back to the United States all of a sudden, just like President Trump claims they will. What they're going to do is they're going to go to other countries and buy from those producers. And then when these tariffs end, it's not going to end the pain for American producers who want to sell these goods to Mexico. They're still going to be having to try and sell to Mexico, and the Mexicans are still going to be buying from foreign creators. But truly, I haven't seen, it felt when this all started playing out that there really wasn't a strategy. I mean, it seemed from the White House, pers- the White House officials going over to Capitol Hill, they couldn't explain how this was all going to play out, even on the, like, the most basic terms of, is this a new ex- emergency declaration or not? I mean... This wouldn't be the first time that the president 
declared he was starting a fire in order to put the fire out and say that I'm the one that I'm the one that I'm the best fireman that ever came across ever walked this earth. No, and that's I think that's entirely possible that that's what we could see happen over the next couple of days of the terrorists might not actually ultimately go into effect on Monday. This is I think like a lot of the threats that you hear from the president. This is one of those like wait till the ink is dry yeah, uh, yeah, kind of moments. Yeah. But having said that, you know, at this point it's it's enormously clear uh, that the president does believe in tariffs as a positive good, as an instrument for uh, advancing U.S. Punishment. economic interests and other interests, yeah. right? And I think that folks who have, I think a lot of what you're seeing in Washington and in the sort of uh, right of center business community mm -hmm. generally is this collision between people who essentially tried to uh, you know, delude themselves into thinking for two and a half years that the president isn't really serious about, you know, tariffs now, tariffs tomorrow, tariffs forever, <laughs> uh, sort of running up against the reality that, no, he is that kind of guy. He loves yeah. tariffs. He thinks they're really good. Well, You're never going to talk him out of that position. Okay, so, but that can be true. And what if Joe says is happening, could be happening, is actually happening? What if it works? What if Mexico shows that they are bolstering resources on their border, they're going to do more to help the United States out. How is there? Works. A, a, I mean, well, believe me, you were, Mexico, the entire top of my I mean, show was I needed to know what, what would actually make the president happy here. Mexico, What's like his most countries, is, a, is run by responsible adults, and they'll make some sort of measures or steps to pretend like they're going to, to acquiesce to Donald Trump's demands. But the, the problem is that this proposal is counterproductive and ill-conceived, and it demonstrates the failure of two of Donald Trump's principal issues, trade and immigration. Immigration has not slowed, despite all of Donald Trump's xenophobic rhetoric. It continues to increase at the border, and he's the one who says he's going to stop it and build a border wall, which we were supposed to pay for, which we're, that they but were supposed to pay for. But we all do not. need to acknowledge there is a real crisis at the border. But, 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 that's, but that he was the one who was supposed to stop that crisis. So you're telling me that there is no way... But you're wait. saying there's no way, even if... Mexico puts forth measures, even though Trump hasn't defined what they would be, to do something and do more. There's no way that you're, you can see a Democrat conceding that Trump's tariff as punishment no, I'm, policy I'm, I'm, works. I'm, I'm saying that, first of all, the, the trade, the, our trade deficit has ballooned out of control. We've got a $621 billion trade deficit last year, which is the highest it's been in 10 years. Donald Trump was the one who's supposed to reduce the trade deficit. He's supposed to stop quote-unquote illegal immigration. Both of those are going the opposite direction the of what he Democrat, promised. Right? So, That's, so, that shows so, that he's a, 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 a catastrophic failure in the... In, don't acknowledge the there's a problem at the border, right? To Democrats, for a long time, there wasn't a problem at the border. Now you have a city the size of Charleston crossing the border in just one month, right? Then Our they're saying, then they're saying, okay, we're not going to give Donald Trump the border wall, but we're also going to blame him for not doing anything about it. Then you say we're not going to approve the USMCA, and, and then there's still a trade deficit with Mexico. Why did so, it suddenly so, happen does, now? Did, did, this this didn't happen and, under and the, the Obama administration. When did he get up in the morning? Why was there no surge? Why was there no surge equivalent to this in the Obama administration? Trump was the guy who was supposed to stop the flood of illegal immigration and, and, and reduce the trade deficit. And he's been a colossal failure of both of us. Can we acknowledge something? Federal elephant in the room. What is it? If these tariffs go into effect. No avocados. Uh, hold on. Yes, no avocados. You don't get your it's spicy serious. margarita. And I'm very sorry to you, Joe, and your weekends will be much less. But what will also happen, it's going to hurt the Mexican economy and create more uh, migrants coming to the There's going to be more just of a make push it worse. Way up. And Trump has been pulling away foreign aid, creating more people coming. One comment from the White House this week, coming from Mark Short, one of the top officials, he says that his take on when asked about it was that he wished lawmakers would spend as much time trying to fix immigration as they do bellyaching about the, what the president is doing trying to fix it. Uh, well, it's an interesting point. He's not 
wrong. Pretty fair point. He's not. I, I would say that Mark Short is not wrong about how this is a job of Congress and the president, and Congress needs to do something about immigration. I think there's no question about that. They're not going to. <laughs> everything you've seen so far from the White House on immigration, even when Republicans had unified control of Congress, right, was running uh, so far to the right on immigration, mm-hmm. so far in the direction of immigration restriction uh, that it was unpalatable even to a Republican Congress, right? So, you know, we do have a system that sort of requires the president to lead the way on something like this. We've just not seen that. I do think uh, that the folks who want him to back down on the tariffs really underestimate the extent to which punishing Mexico is an end unto itself. Uh, for the president and many of his political supporters. Excellent point, and one we're going to end on in this moment. Coming up, a sudden U-turn on a key issue. Why is Joe Biden changing course on a position that he has long held and also defended just this week? That's next. I can't justify leaving millions of women without access to the care they need and the ability to to exercise their constitutionally protected right. If I believe health care is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. That is Joe Biden laying out this week why he is changing his position on the issue of a decades-old ban on federal dollars being used for abortion. It's called the Hyde Amendment. It was first passed in the 1970s. It has long been a compromise position for Democrats to take. But now in 2019, it has become really a lightning rod in the Democratic primary. Why that statement from Joe Biden, the Democratic frontrunner, is so surprising is because only the day before his campaign was defending his longstanding support of that very same ban. Politically speaking, it's a pretty amazing reversal, flip-flop, turnaround, whatever you want to call it. Why is it happening and what does it mean? Let us find out. Alex, is, do you see there, is there any other way to see this other than Joe Biden bowing to liberal pressure in the primary? No, uh, that's absolutely what it is. And, and the fact that it was such an abrupt flip-flop, this wasn't an issue like uh, criminal justice right. or um, you know, health care or foreign policy where he has genuinely evolved substantially over a very long career. This was 36 hours, right? So <laughs> that's evolution on a scale we've never seen uh, in biological history. Look, what his campaign has acknowledged privately is that they really just miscalculated this, that they, that they felt that the Hyde Amendment, support for the Hyde Amendment was well within the mainstream of democratic politics, which, by the way, the last time Joe Biden held public office, it was. Yeah. Uh, but that they... I mean, guys, Bill Clinton, what was what was this Bill Clinton's statement on abortion? Legal, that safe, it is and rare, right? legal safe and legal rare. Legal safe and rare. And that That's was a no fine longer... space for a lot of Democrats to be for a very long time. Well, well, well you Democrats... one thing, too. When Bill Clinton ran for president in 1992, I worked on his campaign, he favored repealing the Hyde Amendment. When, Don, when Barack Obama ran for president in 2008, he, he favored repealing right, the Hyde but Amendment. It, but it when continued. Hillary Clinton but ran. But this is Democratic mainstream, though. Democratic mainstream for presidential candidates has been to oppose the Hyde Amendment. This is not inconsistent with that. But to oppose Joe Biden completely miscalculated. And do nothing about it. Well, that may be true. That may be true, but at least you're right about that. But at least in terms of talking points, every major Democratic presidential nominee over the course of the past 20 years has favored repealing the Hyde Amendment. Here's the thing, and you guys tell me what it is, because his press secretary, Biden's press secretary, came on CNN and said, if this was him bowing to liberal pressure, he would have come out and said he is now for Medicare for all, which he is not. 
Do you, does that does that make sense? No. No. Apples, <laughs> no. I mean, I'm going to go and marry Anna Kendrick this weekend. That makes as much sense. Uh, the real thing that's going on here is Joe Biden has found himself to be the perfect general election candidate for the Democrats, but the imperfect primary election candidate. He's um, His position on the Hyde Amendment would help in a general election in bringing over some of these more conservative swing voters who might be a little more uncomfortable with a, a, a Democrat's mm-hmm. abortion stance. But in a primary campaign, this really hurts him. Now that he has well, flipped... It's really going. It could hurt him in a general election I if wonder, he's the nominee. D- he's a flip-flopping Biden. He has no okay. principles. That's, he's that's, kowtowing that's old, to the liberal that is, that is the traditional way we look uh, <laughs> look at presidential campaigns. Right. But does today do do you think voters with voters it matters where you end up, or it matters that you previously held a different position? I, I think on an issue as fundamental to a person's actual belief. I mean, we're talking about abortion. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not something that the average American flip-flops on in their own personal yeah, mind. People evolve. I mean, People yeah, evolve on it, but this, no, one, no one does on 36 yeah, no, hours. For the benefit of, our, of, of, of the audience, though, if, if you're new to American politics and you're wondering how someone who could end up as vice president of the United States could do this poorly in past presidential campaigns, welcome to Joe Biden. Do you, do, no, no, but do you think it is, if, it's, if it was a one-off, it would be something, but it would be just a one-off. Do you think this is a window into... Joe Biden's campaign, not, you know, the term, the, the throwaway term is always not ready for prime time. But do you think this is showing some, I don't know, know the right term to even to say, just well, some I'm weakness gonna... in being able to manage Joe Biden or read right. he where was they are? He supposed to be the, the professional I, in this race. He well, was the guy tried and true. And, he's and, run and, twice but before. It, gonna, there was yeah. another mistake they made, which was just before he announced, it was the, he was sort of gropey Joe Biden, that thing. That was the other And example. it took them o- a, over a week well, to clarify moment. stuff and to have him come out and actually say something. They had a statement What do you think? Good. Is this a window it, into it, a, a, an enduring problem of a campaign? I actually think it is. And I'm a little bit Bias because I worked against Joe Biden way back in 1988. And I was there when Joe Biden dropped out of the campaign for plagiarizing uh, in that campaign, words of Neil Kinnock, the labor leader. And so I've always had questions about huh. Joe Biden, even when he was uh, Barack Obama's vice president. And so I don't think he's the perfect nominee, uh, as you were saying, Evan. I think he's a very imperfect nominee for the party. And I think he'll have, he'll have a lot of problems if he is the, the uh, expert. <laughs> That's the big question about how much this weighs on the minds of Democratic primary voters, because Joe Biden does have a very deep reservoir of goodwill on the left, right? Not the activist left, but among liberals generally. They see him as a good guy, right? So are there going to be people who are going to cut him some slack on this where they wouldn't cut, you know, a a Cory Booker or a Jay Inslee or Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The question to me is whether Democrats who are mostly concerned about winning the general election look at this sort of deer in the headlights uh, performance over the last couple of days and say, I don't know if this guy can go up against Donald okay, Trump. Okay, last one. I'm only going to throw out one poll. Uh-oh. 54%. You guys, whoever wants, I just find it fascinating. CNN poll says that right now they expect, 54% say they expect Donald Trump to get reelected. That's slightly more than who, how many people thought Barack Obama would be reelected at this point. Yes, it's just one poll. Yes, it's a snapshot in time. Does it tell you anything? I think it tells you that, that he is really inside the heads of a lot of people, even who don't like him, right? That wow. that's people expressing both, you know, his supporters, it's expressing their, their hopes, and mm-hmm. his, the people who are against him, it's expressing their fears. The, the notion, he is, by any objective metric, a weaker candidate for re-election 
than Barack Obama was at this point in his presidency. The fact that there are so many people who still believe it's quite likely that he'll be reelected, so, and he absolutely has a, but, a solid path to reelection. Oh, absolutely, it reflects but for anxiety as much as is anything that, else. Is this, a, is this a not a good thing to see? Because it's, it's a, always better to be running from behind rather than saying like everyone thinks I'm going to get reelected. So. I think the base really likes to hear that because it energizes them. Yeah, we're doing well, America. The silent majority, that thing. But what we're missing is that there are other groups that have been shifting, particularly senior citizens who are not voting and not liking what Donald Trump is doing. Here is the Democrat. joy about this whole thing. We have so many more polls and so many more months to be talking about. Okay. Yes, are you I happy? I tell you that Russia no. is going to win this election. Russia's <laughs> winning this election. That's what Keith Boykin's standing on. Thank you, guys. That is the State of America this week. So uplifting. Be sure to listen to our podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii.